0: 5, 6, five, four, three, two, one,
1: zero. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. It is Thursday, May 12th. so hard to believe. It is May. It's a beautiful day here in Jacksonville. Not sure what it's like in Mississippi, Georgia, or Virginia, or for our listeners out west in the western U.S. who listen through SWATradio.com, or even our friends over in Europe who tune in, but uh, we're so glad you're joining us today, and today is guest day. Traditionally, Thursdays are our guest day, and today we have a local minister, a guy who is uh, a NAV guy, I call him, he, he said he's their campus director at the University of North Florida. But he and his wife are in ministry here in Jacksonville at the University of North Florida. And uh, one of the things that they have prayed over the campus is the least of you will become a thousand, the smallest, a mighty nation. I am the Lord in its time. I will do this swiftly. That is a great prayer and I'm really excited to have Alex Ellis here. Alex, welcome to SWAT Radio. It was a pleasure to get to join you, Doug. Yeah, it's good to have you in here. And uh, man, you got a great name. That your name sounds like it's some either an actor or sounds like a, a some kind of like I don't know secret service guy. Alex Ellis. <laughs> it just sounds like a book title, man. So yeah. I love your name. That's great. Well, you're at UNF and. Um, You know, when people think about UNF, uh, like you say in uh, one of the articles that you wrote uh, or they they wrote about you there, you know, people tend to think in universities, they think about University of Florida or they think about uh, Miami Mm -hmm. or Florida State, but UNF has grown over the years and and there's a lot of students there now, aren't there?
2: Yeah, it's like uh, the last numbers I was looking at, like the 16,000 in the undergrad program
1: that that used to be a normal sized sec college you know yeah. i mean like a long time ago when i was in school and so and you know do you see a hunger in students for spiritual things or for the lord maybe maybe, maybe not the lord but for spiritual things is there a hunger out there on campus
2: yeah so there's about 1600 so 10 percent of the population would say quote-unquote involved in spiritual things so at least 15,000 students are just open to having conversations. And I think, you know, most of the time I talk to the older generation and they'll say, oh, those, the college students, they hate Christians or they don't want to talk about things. But I, I found quite the opposite. They are very open to dialoguing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just about how you approach the conversation. Um, if you come off really intense and harsh, they're probably going to, they're very emotional and very relational. Yeah. So if you have a relationship and you're willing to have a conversation and kind of walk with them, and under hear them, I think that's a big thing. Hearing them, man, they're going to open up to most things. And I, I, out of the times I've asked to read the Bible with students, I, I very, very rarely get shot down.
1: Well, how, how long have you and your wife? Is it Shauna? Yeah, Shauna. How, how mm-hmm. long have you and Shauna been on campus? There.
2: So at the University of North Florida, we've been on campus for about seven years. Before that, I was at the University of South Florida for three years, and so we. Which is on- your
1: alma mater? Right? Yeah, that's right. Go bulls. Wait, was that cool going back to your alma mater ministering there?
2: Yeah, it was a great part. Uh, Actually, the guy who discipled me for four years my entire time at the university was moving on to go to a different university, and I kind of filled in his role and just kept training up young men. And so, I, you know, I felt really proud and privileged, kind of like the Paul handing off to Timothy. It felt really, uh, really encouraging at that moment.
1: Well, for you, um, growing up, you grew up in, uh, you said, Missouri? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, The Show Me State out there out west, (laughs) Midwest, anyway. Um, people out in the Midwest, what was it like growing up there? Um, you know, in the Bible belt or the South, mm-hmm. what, were you guys where you grew up considered the Bible belt or were you more Midwestern, a lot of Lutheran churches, a lot yeah. of, you know, I, I know there's a lot of Lutheran churches out there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, my, my exposure up there is a lot more Methodist, but, uh, and not ill of any of those organizations. Yeah. My, uh, my family background is very like I would say, like spiritual, kind of would say they're Christians, but don't go to church, maybe go on Easter, maybe go on Christmas. Um, But they would say the values of the Bible, possibly, but they don't know any of the stories, don't know really any of the scriptures. We we had Bibles in our home, never opened them.
1: Were they two-timers? Like they went to church two times a year, Christmas and Easter?
2: If you got lucky. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's a lot of people uh, that would do that. So you grew up really not having... Uh, a a family-led devotion or any kind of spiritual talk about for you personally hey how you doing with the lord today are you in the word those kind of things weren't part of your daily conversations
2: no it's it's super interesting now raising kids uh trying to really establish neither my wife or i grew up in christian homes and both came to christ in uh, high school but my background there was i mean the goal in life was just be awesome and do your best even you know my parents. They're still not believers. We're still praying. God would lead them in, but um, even then, those conversations—they're like, "Well, if this is makes you happy, then go
1: for it." And it's just interesting. You're like, "What?" <laughs> well, um, tell us a little bit how that happened for you. Like how how did you go from being in a home where you know it, it just really wasn't that high of a priority mm-hmm. to now you've given your life, at least the last ten years, to yeah. making sure it is a priority for other people.
2: Yeah, that's one of the great great joys of my life is getting to find Jesus. And I think uh, one of the things is, you know, growing up in that home is a a lot of competition and trying. And I'd use friendships and do all these things. Now I probably wouldn't outwardly say these things, right? But um, my parents' marriage kind of got to like a rockier spot. And I think that made me pretty angry. I think most men are generally pretty angry, and we just don't talk about it. Yeah. And so I was frustrated and angry and kind of didn't know how to handle that. And so I was a swimmer in high school, and so I was on the swim team. And I
1: hate swimmers. <laughs> I, I told you that in the break. You did. You guys would just swim forever, and you made it look so fluid, so easy. And every time I would try to imitate you, I would almost drown, just sucking in the water down my nose, and I could never figure it out. So I just... It's something else. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it totally makes sense. I, yeah. I can't throw a ball for anything or shoot anything, so but I can go, you know. Yeah. But um, so on that team, I I couldn't drive. I wasn't old enough yet. So I had this guy who was uh, on my team. He was an older guy. And he drove us everywhere, and he was a Christian, and his family was going through some hard things as well. But he had this different attitude. I was angry and frustrated all the time. Didn't really know how to handle it, uh, and I was responding probably some negative ways, and um. Searching out things that make me happy and satisfied that we're just not doing cutting the mustard. You know, they just weren't satisfying. And yeah. there's so many of those things we chase after and I chase after. Um, but he was kind of responding different. And he said, well, Jesus is in control and it's going to be fine in the end, even though his parents were like on the brink of divorce. You know, I'm like, this guy's crazy or he has something that I don't have. Yeah. And so I found he invited me to this Bible study all the time. He used to make fun of him for going to church and wasting his time in a Bible study. So I finally went and they just opened the Bible and we were talking about it. And that was like mind blowing to me. Because I thought we were going to come to this group and they were going to tell us all what to think or what to say or what to believe. But they were just opening the Bible and talking about it. I love to talk. That's why I'm hanging out with you, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. We sat there and talked about Genesis and all these things. Where you, you know, these passages you're like, these are the, the non-believing ones you want to go to. Um, but I just noticed, man, there's this thing that Jesus is offering that I don't have. A purpose, a value that I did not have. I had no goal in life other than just be awesome, do my best. Yeah. And so I started going to that church for a little while and then I started seeing this is what I'd give my life to. Is something greater than myself, that God has this mission mm-hmm. and this value that, you know, he says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Well, I, I wasn't finding that, you know, in anything else. So,
1: Swimming wasn't giving it to you. It was no. just giving you a lot of water in your nose. Wasn't yeah. it?
2: <laughs> I wasn't the best swimmer either. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, was a, it was a cool journey to really walk with. And so then I started serving at that church. And that was super different to me, yeah. you know, like serving for somebody else was a total waste of your time for somebody who is selfish, you know? Um, so I, I had a truck. It was a small set up and teardown church. And so I was like a, a godsend, like a young high schooler with nothing to do who can small set up and tear down church. But what was so incredible about that is I started getting around older men who did do all those things that you said my family didn't. They mm-hmm. did have family devotionals. They did talk about the Bible and they did have struggles that they'd share about. And, you know, my dad is pretty... Stonewall so if I ask any emotional questions I kind of get pushed back but I actually got a process with some of these men while we were serving setting up and tearing down the church that's why I love
1: so wait a minute so older men actually spoke into your life
2: oh yeah that's I think that was transformational I don't you know there's... I think
1: that's called discipleship but I'm not sure yeah about...
2: I didn't know the word for it yet <laughs> you see you know yeah I think that's what community is built for right is mm-hmm. for these older generational ministry opportunities that discipleship is I just didn't know it yet um, and so I think that was incredible opportunity. They were pouring into my life, and I was just you know lifting chairs with them. They were sharing stuff that was just nonchalant to them, but it was incredibly revolutionary to me.
1: You know, that's a very insightful point, Alex. That, that a lot of times uh, we as older men, mm-hmm. we don't have any idea the impact that our words play on younger people. In casual conversation, what we perceive as casual conversation. Right, yeah. Because you probably weren't sitting there going, well, hey, tell me about this, tell me about this. You were just watching them and listening to them and then engaging with them. Mm-hmm. And they would say something that they may not even remember, but for you it became very impactful.
2: Yeah, from the way they talked to their wives, to the way they had conflict with their family, to like just the things they were reading – I wasn't necessarily, even now, like, even in those moments, I wasn't like, oh, that was life-changing. But it was starting to have an effect. I mean, I remember in that high school Bible study, we, for the first time ever, we did, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of that, uh, Every Young Man's Battle.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Stephen Arterburn, I think, wrote that. Yeah,
2: incredible content at the time. But I'd never talked to anyone about sex. Yeah. And this was revolutionary to me. And so it was so eye-opening. You know, I'd never seen conflict happen in a healthy manner or how to love your kids well or, like, how to, like, lead and serve. Like, why would you serve someone? And to talk to these men or how they're work at the workforce trying to work well for a reason more than just making money. So mm-hmm. all those conversations, though, I did not sit there and like, oh, this is a good note, good note. Mm-hmm. I was processing it. I was internalizing them. They And they were taking hold of my life because that's the Spirit's power, right?
1: Yes. So your swim guy that gave you rides is the one God used to really share the gospel with you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Tim, mm-hmm. he was an incredible, uh, I mean— just tenacious, just kept asking. And I think, you know, we quit so easily on people. It took him two years of continuing to have relational time with me and asking questions.
1: Yeah, he was a persistent witness. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, you know, when we come back, I want to pick up on it there. And I want to talk about how that discipleship looked practically for you mm-hmm. when you did say yes to God. Yeah. Was it Tim? Was it somebody else? because something got you to the place now where you're being that disciple. And I'd like to follow that journey a little bit. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Alex Ellis from the Navigators. He is the campus director at University of North Florida. We're going to be back with more. And if you want to know more, you can go to navigators.org. I'm going to tell you how you can support Alex and Shauna and their family as they minister here at the University of North Florida. So thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this sponsor break.
0: at www.astore.com.
1: me hey welcome back to uh swat radio this is doug mccary of his light ministries and i have uh alex ellis today in uh the studio with me of the navigators uh at uh university of north i'm sorry yeah university of north florida i was thinking south florida because that's where you that's went, where I went yeah and yeah. you were there so you just moved from the south north are you gonna go to west florida next i don't know <laughs> that's out in pensacola trust right?
2: the lord you know <laughs>
1: yeah So, um, yeah, so he's, he's there and, uh, you know, if you want, you can go to navigators.org and, uh, click on donate. And I'm sure if you go for a guy like Alex and his wife, Shauna, who's there, uh, would you be considered support staff, or do they just go to donate now? Do you know?
2: Oh, we're fully supported. So, yeah, uh, any of the money that goes to that, when you click donate under our name, it fully goes to our name so into that account number. So when I go buy 10 pizzas for a, a dorm and meet college students, that's where that money comes from. So it,
1: Isn't that cool that you can do that, and you can just go in there and click on support staff, and it'll have a search bar. You type in Alex Ellis, that cool name he's got, Alex Ellis. <laughs> And uh, anyway, they'll, they'll take you to a picture uh, of them and you can donate to them. And uh, they're having quite the impact here in uh, North Florida. And that's one reason I want him on day. And we were talking about his coming to Christ and he grew up in a home that really uh, did not point him to Jesus other than maybe going a couple of times a year. Uh, as most people in this country are They're mm-hmm. they're what I would say nominal if it, it at all churchgoers. Uh, you know two two first they go twice a year uh christmas and easter and uh but yet god brought a guy into his life tim right mm-hmm. and tim was a guy god used to speak the truth uh over a two-year period and then how did you get discipled like how, who was the person that was was it tim that mm-hmm. began to help grow you and your 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 disciplines of the bible and mm-hmm. and what god may be wanting you to do accountability or was it somebody else
2: yeah so that was in high school and so i was about to finish high school and go off to college and so i got into the university of florida the university of south florida and a few other campuses and i was really debating going to uf doing law school doing all that stuff but i not really had a community of faith around me at all and so uh i just started part-time at that church, just just kind of doing like some setup and tear down stuff for them
1: because oh at was the available. church in missouri right no
2: this is in tampa sorry. oh i said tampa so tampa. this is
1: down at south florida
2: yeah this is down in south florida so that's actually the reason i stayed and went to the university of south florida was to stay at that church and stay connected to that community of men but there wasn't really any college students or anybody my peers my age that that church it was a great church it was very young in the sense of like where i'm at now yeah. 30s with two kids you know yeah um but so my Came, my uh, youth pastor was really like, hey, when you get to college, just get involved with anyone. You need to be with a college, uh, like a ministry connected on campus with people who are in your context. So that was a big encouragement. So I went to the University of South Florida. We had this week of welcome. You meet a gazillion people, and you do all these events. And I went to all these uh, different campus ministry events and stuff like that. But, you know, it was interesting is I'd go to this event. And I'm like, oh, well, this is the Christians. We have a goal. Reach everyone on campus, right? And so— but I've no one would talk to me. And I was like sitting there in these events and I was like, no one's reaching out to me. I'm sitting here. I want to get connected to this thing.
1: Talk to me. And, and you're with Christians, right? No, Th- these are Christians.
2: Supposedly Christians. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna isn't
1: that. Isn't that crazy how you can go into a church mm-hmm. as an outsider and nobody says hi? I yeah. mean, you can go to a Christian event as an outsider and nobody looks at you and goes, Hey, I'm so and so. Can I help you? or you know, do you know anybody? I mean, isn't that funny?
2: That's so powerful, Doug. I mean, like people want to exegesis his passage or do this deep Bible study. I'm like, just go talk to that dude right there. Just, <laughs> and that will change that guy's life. Because so,
1: nobody does that, do they, in our culture today, really? People just, they, they're they mm-hmm. they're very mobile and they're moving and people have their earphones on all the time. Mm-hmm. and. And, and so it's hard to do that in a lot of ways. And I, it's a little bit of a risk, isn't it, to go yeah. out there and talk to somebody. You yeah, know. I tell old guys all the time who are like, how do I reach
2: young people? Talk to them. <laughs> yeah. When they come to your church, go up and talk to them. Say hi and introduce yourself directly. And that would change that guy's life. And they, you know, it just, it's so easy to worry about. I don't know the the YouTubes or all these, like, all these things they keep up with. And I, and I just say, I don't think you need to know all those things. You have equipped with Jesus all the things you need. Just be relational. And that's really powerful. And so the guy who did that was Joel is his name. And he was a staff with the Navigators. And we were at this sports event. And he just, you know, we were playing football and was talking to me and cutting up. And we were talking for a long time. And he invited me to go to a Bible study the next week. And so... The only guy who took the initiative my entire first week of campus, all the other times I, I'm a talker, I told you that, so I usually take the
1: initiative. And you're a talker, too. That's yeah. what's crazy. doesn't take much. And, yeah. and, and so, so when guys like me and you go to a place and nobody talks, we're like, what's wrong? Yeah. I mean, we start smelling our underarms yeah. <laughs> and figure out, or are we do something wrong with us? Well, that, that was
2: the incredible thing. When I came to Christ in high school, I, then I started meeting all these Christians that I knew. But I figured, In reflecting, it was like I was playing hide-and-seek. And I didn't know I was playing the game. Like, all these Christians who say this is the center of their life weren't talking to me about it. Mm -hmm. It's like they were playing hide-and-seek, and and I didn't know I was it. You know, like, none of you wanted to tell me that, like, I was dying and just off, you know? No one cared. So, um, yeah, so this guy, Joel, took really the initiative. And then it was incredible. This is not magic, right? This is just simple heat. Okay, so I got invited to a Bible study. And then when I went to the Bible study, he said, Hey, you want to get lunch this week? And I'll show you how to have a quiet time. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> when he said it quiet time, I was like, I don't like being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we sat down and over, I think it was just over lunch and he just showed me how to spend time in God's word. He, we didn't, he didn't tell me why or all these things. He just did it with me and said, hey, this week, why don't you just do one or two of these and we'll get together next week when you've done them. Wow. And so he just started this process. And then, so we did that for a few weeks and then a few weeks later, he's like, hey, let's pray together so we'd walked on campus
1: and had you yeah. ever prayed with another brother like that before
2: just really? general like short prayers but generally you know like not, you know, this is it's a pet peeve of mine so grace here you know you're in bible study and you're like any prayer question it's like aunt susie's cat <laughs> is sick and you're like well you know god is in charge of everything but maybe we should pray that people will come to christ
1: <laughs> yeah well i yeah i think we see that in paul's life you don't see a lot of A lot of it's not that the personal requests are bad, but we've supplanted those requests with a lot of physical, financial, and other things that really are temporal. Yeah. yeah. And the most important thing is the eternal, right?
2: Yeah. I think Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigators, one of his deep, challenging quotes in his life was uh, What's the biggest thing you've asked God for recently? Like, if God was just to say yes, what would happen? And that struck me. I mean, like one semester, I was even on staff at this point, and I was reflecting on that because I was reading it with a young guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I asked for a, a, somebody to play the banjo at church or something like that, yeah. and I'd asked for like french fries at one point. And it was crazy because I I'd, I'd reflected, and God did answer specific prayers, but I wasn't asking very big prayers, you know? Yeah. He'd say, are you asking for trinkets or toys, or are you asking for nations? You know, mm-hmm. the Psalm 2, like, ask and I'll give you the nations, you know? Mm-hmm. So... um, yeah, so he prayed with me, and that was incredible and, and opened my eyes. I think the promises of God, if you even touch something to to play with and just trust God for, the promises are incredible.
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, Dawson used to do the, uh, like, training things called Born to Reproduce. Yes. Do you remember that? Um, well, I don't know. You're young. How old are you? You're, how old are you? 31. 31. So, uh, but he would do a listening session mm-hmm. where he would— I mean, people would just listen yeah. to his teaching for 45 minutes on listening. Mm-hmm. You're like, how do you how do you have to be taught how to listen? Because we we, we there's a difference between auditory signals
2: mm-hmm.
1: and taking in auditory signals and then letting that go into you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like in the Bible where it talks about when he says eat the scrolls yeah yeah he's Mm -hmm. talking about ingesting the word to where it Mm -hmm. becomes a part of you it goes through you not just you're not just hearing the word yeah
2: The meditate right like some ruminate in like yeah and there's mm -hmm.
1: people that even think meditating is bad it's Mm -hmm. bad in the sense of hinduism yeah right Mm -hmm. but when you meditate on god's word it says in his word to meditate which is to chew on right but then there was an application session where you would literally write down about listening and reading mm-hmm. and how to make that i think we've lost some of that you know and mm-hmm. that's what i love about navigators you guys do that don't mm-hmm. you with the students
2: yeah we really really uh want to go after application because i like the james 126 right like the mm-hmm. do you not merely listen to the word do what it says right and I, this isn't like Incredibly complicated most of the time. You and you know you finish a Bible study, and I do this freshman all the time. So, and this is what the conclusion we come to: I want to trust God more this week.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, what would that look like? Well, I just want to trust Him more. <laughs> well, okay, that's that's a great. I, Amen. You know, <laughs> I like that. What would that look like though? And I, you know, it's amazing. Most of the time, it's just simple obstacles because you know you don't build. You don't. We don't set out construction plans and just say, "Well, I want a building." Mm. You start with one thing at a time. And so usually it's like, well, what's one small application we could do this week? What, how can you trust them? Oh, for the college students, wake up, you know. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a big thing for them, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's big. Well, I know it has to be challenging for you and your wife. You you guys also have two kids, yeah. Judah and Hudson, named yeah. after Hudson Taylor, which is awesome. He's like one of my heroes and my wife's heroes. I think we've got every book ever written about him. Awesome. In fact, for mother's day, you know what I got her? I got her a book on his life by his children's autobiography, but it was published in 1935. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it, literally it's the 1935 edition. Oh, that's awesome. So she, we like old books. I'm a historian. Uh, so I, oh, yeah, I you love, love that. Like, isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to have those kind of books, but, uh, you know, uh, Dawson Trotman. A lot of people today don't even know who he is. They don't know the name. I mean, they know Navigators because right. the names out there. But Dawson Trotman was a guy who, man, he he was such a discipler. Yeah, and cared so much about the next generation. Yeah, and um, and and I think Navigators is. I don't think he set out to build an empire. He Mm -hmm. just was setting out to disciple the next guy who would disciple the next guy. Mm -hmm. And God grew the navigators into, you know, we were talking earlier about how it impacted the military, still very Mm -hmm. active in the military and now college campuses across the country. And they've traditionally been very, very good. Not all parachurch ministries are solid biblical. Mm hmm but nav is in fact nav two seven. my wife and i were trained on i was talking to you about that when we come back i'd like for you to kind of share what a, a week would look like for you yeah on the college campus and and what what kind of things are you seeing maybe some stories of some young people out there okay yeah hey you're listening to alex ellis of the navigators here at north florida he's the campus director And if you would like to support him and their ministry, you can go to navigators.org, click on donate, then go down to support staff and uh, just put in Alex, A-L-E-X, L-S-E-L-L-I-S, and you can donate to him. We're going to be right back after the news with more SWAT radio. Stay tuned.
0: Looking for finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make you out alone without your help But I know I never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me without you
1: Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of uh, His Light Ministries, and I have Alex Ellis from uh, The Navigators, who is the campus director here at University of North Florida. And, you know, one thing I picked up on Alex right away is his excitement with what he does and his excitement to minister. And if you've listened for the first two segments, you've also heard his heart to see people come to christ and you know it's got to be hard alex to do what you do because you get a freshman who comes in mm-hmm. and this is not like you're a pastor of a church they're moving in they're going to be there for the next 20 years you, typical college students may some may last a year some may last two That even if they last all the way through it's four years more than likely mm-hmm. maybe grad school but a lot of times they don't even last a year maybe right yeah uh is that hard dealing with that from a from a ministering standpoint
2: yeah the churn is definitely challenging uh the i would say most of our grad students i, I encourage them they are fully equipped to go into their their churches because i'd rather send them my goal is to send reproducing laborers out of our college campus to wherever they go because mm-hmm. there's no quote-unquote full-time ministers there's Everyone's doing full-time ministry,
1: whether they're... We're under- all kingdom priests, brother. That's Amen. Right. You know
2: what I'm saying? I just think you undersell that too much. And so I like sending them out no matter where they're going. So um, I would say most of the time we actually have probably one to two to three years because that first year is a lot of winning their heart and trust, which is fair. I Like, you shouldn't just full and jump in and trust whoever.
1: <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, they should just trust Jesus. And they should. Right. But you got to remember... I would say the vast majority, according to one poll that I saw, are biblically ignorant. So they have no understanding of who Jesus is other than caricatures and what's Mm -hmm. been, you know, kind of the modern, I think, uh, I don't know, depictions of him that sometimes aren't accurate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know the singing vegetables very much, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, cause I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so. Uh, but I joke. Larry with the, the students,
1: cucumber, you don't know Cuki. I don't know
2: those <laughs> things, so uh, I always give my Christian students a hard time that I don't know all this weird Christian stuff they know. But uh, not that that's wrong, but yeah. it's, it's just more. what uh, I could tell you dozens of stories like this. The other day, my wife is meeting with this freshman girl. She's an incredible lady, and my wife is, and so she's getting to have lunch and going to show this lady how to spend time in the Word. So they come together. This is a pastor's daughter, okay? Pastor for a long time in this church, and she doesn't own a Bible. She said, "We've never opened the Bible other than when my dad teaches on Sundays." Oh my! And so, I, not to speak ill of him, I have no idea what their family did, but she, so she just left and went to um, I don't I don't know if they went to Target or something like that, and they bought a Bible, and so was so the first time she opened the Bible, and all the time I would you know sit with guys and I say like, "Hey, look, let's open the book of Colossians." Because our Bible studies don't have it printed in there. So I, I, I make them open it, you know.
1: <laughs> make them open it and try to figure out where it is.
2: Yeah. And I really do encourage a lot of people not to use their phones for their
1: Bibles. Good for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, good for you. Because because phones can be corrupted. Mm-hmm. Once something's printed, of course, you could have something printed corrupted. But all the Bibles that have been printed have, have usually have been verified. And I tell people... That's one thing I know about the physical copy that I have. Yeah, I've read through this particular physical copy nine times. Mm, amen. I've never seen an error, mm-hmm. printed error in it. And so this this copy I know is a copy I'm reading every morning. Mm-hmm. Now, there's benefits to the phone, but a lot of people today, even pastors, are going away from physical copies of Bible.
2: So there's a lot of research that would say that that's not a very healthy model right like your phone has so many things so you have like there's not just written memory right you read something and you remember it but there's also your visual memory so sometimes you, you, you might have experienced this like i don't remember where this verse is but i know it where it is in my bible that is spatial memory activating but also there's your tactile memory when you touch something that is powerful and then there's just so many things because your phone is a platform to so many things your brain can't distinguish the differences and so it only uses that me- one source of memory so even you might be like well i want to remember the bible better perfect just read a physical bible and then i don't get all these pinged notifications because you know whenever i sit down i'm just getting ding getting ding. so i i really encourage most people i'm saying seven minutes now utility i'll use my phone when i need to but there's something very powerful about got written word and we say often like i wish god would just speak to me
1: Yeah, he has.
2: He has. He spent an incredible amount of effort getting this to me.
1: Yeah. So let's, you know. And a lot of people have died so we could have a physical copy. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things, I I share this illustration a lot, Alex, is that, you know, when you go to a Starbucks and you're on your phone with somebody, Mm -hmm. they they don't know what you're doing. If you've got a physical copy of a Bible in there, Mm There's no mistake about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, like they know you're having some kind of spiritual conversation about Jesus. I'm not saying it's always right. I'm not saying that that there may be false religions that use the Bible, too. Yeah. But when you see somebody on a phone or an iPad, you have no idea what they're talking right. about. When you see somebody with a physical copy of the Bible, you have no mistake about it what they're talking about yeah
2: and th- i mean again i could tell lots of stories about what god has done with people re- reading their bibles i remember one time i was in, in an elevator with this freshman guy we we're going back up and his roommate came in and they they had not talked about spiritual things very much yeah. and so i said hey what are you reading right now and so he, they, the only thing he had in his hand was that bible oh, and so yeah. <laughs> he had to have a spiritual conversation right there with his roommate and it yeah. wasn't like i called him out like in a yeah. awkward situation it, he literally said oh i was reading the bible and i said well, what have you been reading lately and that's so not awkward most people talk about the content, the movies, the things they read and listen to. Why would we not, com- conversate about the Bible?
1: You know, in a normal way, just normal like way. it's a normal part of our life.
2: Yeah, I was. You know, I worked uh, Chick Fil A when I was uh, in the workforce back in college, and none of the guys I worked with were Christians. Another
1: instead. successful Chick Fil A story here, That's folks. Right. Baby. <laughs>
2: Well, I it's crazy because I'd minister all these guys. None of them were non believers. I worked in the kitchen. They talk about woo, a lot of things. And but I would just say, hey, this is what I read this morning. What were your thoughts? What were you what would you say? You know, God says he demonstrates his love for us. Has anybody demonstrated their love for you? And it's just like that's not a complicated question. Yeah. But it's left them with a lot of things. And I didn't and I started reading the Bible to those guys and I didn't see any of them come to Christ. But the next guy was a navigator guy who took my job because I, I, I like basically recommended from the job and he saw all of them come to Christ. Really? So five guys in that kitchen came to Christ out of, but I didn't get to see them. But you know, <laughs> God is just, you know, you know, that's the thing. He goes with the growth, you know,
1: that's great. And so you, uh, so I asked you before the break, a typical week for you during the school year. Yeah. I, I'm sure you go to events and stuff, but like uh, you're meeting with people, but what's yeah. a typical week look like for you? Yeah, there is, no, is there a typical there's point? no such
2: thing <laughs> <laughs> i'll dis, the disillusionment as my staff it, it, I, I train young staff and yeah. so every time they're like well, is this gonna be the regular week no but we just you know as best you can uh i would say especially for me my vision of our ministry is not events-based ministry um especially for men men do not in, come to a broad invitation men respond to challenges and hmm. in, in, in direct leadership so, I do. We, we host like a large group meeting with like probably 150 students, and then we host Bible studies in all the dorms. We have about uh, uh, 12 Bible studies running in the dorms, and we try to have them in the dorms. Why? Because that's where the students are. You know, I, I like churches and we support, fully support them and want them to go well, but I don't want a non-believing student to feel like, oh, I have to go to this weird church over here and it's out of my context. I mean, I've had literally students come in their pajamas to my Bible study at 9 p.m. I don't know if you stay up till that late, but
1: uh, it's oh, not a hit on my age.
2: Uh, <laughs> I have kids, so it's getting harder. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. Well, yeah. So let me ask you then. So you said you do 12 Bible studies.
0: Yeah, you, I you, don't do. I that mean, long.
1: no, no, but the, your, your staff you you guys mm-hmm. have let's say whatever the number is yeah mhm you have these going on how many staff people do you have here at UNF
2: so i'm unique i'm a training campus so i i take on new staff like on their first year out of college so uh right now it's a staff team of 4 and then like two volunteer, like part-time volunteer staff. So it's six technically, and I'm training them for their first time because you know when they come out of college, they know lots of things, but they also don't know lots of things. Yeah, they're young, um, and I love ministry, but they also need to be responsible workers, and so um, helping them be accountable, growing, giving them the, like the knowledge of the scriptures, and helping them with those things. So I train them. So that's a part of my week would look like that: leading staff meeting, so we can do the day-to-day activities, but also plan retreats or conferences because we do like men's retreats and we do local conferences and stuff like that. We have, like, a in January, we just had it. It was a 500-person, like, camp uh, conference for the weekend. And those are good moments to, like, gain some energy and momentum. I don't say they're, like, there's no magic to them, obviously. like Jesus But, but is, is, it, is it
1: a NAV conference? Or, yeah. Or so, is it, it's all NAV mm-hmm. staff come in for it?
2: Yeah. So it's actually the Florida region. So we're at a few different campuses here. And so uh, it was, like, UF, uh, FAMU. I tried to do the initials. Yeah. Can't do it. FSU, USF. Uh, uf and so we're, we're at a few different campuses and so we're we come together to kind of have some momentum together and so that we we plan those kind of as those that uh, comes along but most of my time is with people and that's what i love about being you know on campus on the ground with people and so whether that's most of the time i want to invest in guys mm-hmm. i want to train them i want to do second timothy two two, you know the the things you've heard me saying the president many witnesses and trust a reliable men who also be qualified to teach others and i it's interesting every semester i go over hey we're getting together You was getting with you i was like doug hey why are we getting together and he'll say well you know i want to grow i want to do this and i was like well this is actually why i'm getting with you and i'll go back to second timothy 2 2 and i say well i want you to go do it with somebody else and wow. so um so i really spend a lot of time with guys so i meet about like four or five guys weekly okay and then i try and be in their their networks of non-believers because i i want to And i tell my staff this too if their non-believing friends don't know you You've done something wrong, right? Yeah. Clearly, you're not in their relational networks, and so those are some goals. And it they, they kind of looks different all the time. Sometimes people are like, "You mean you spent an hour playing video games?" In the like, uh,
1: wait, you play video games?
2: Not well. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I do actually. Uh, actually well,
1: okay, so what video game do you play?
2: Well, I'm I'm more of a sh- like a shooter, first person shooter game. So actually, during COVID, I had this crazy ministry going on with Call of Duty. I don't uh, know.
1: Okay, so uh, so you got to hear this. So yesterday i'm on the phone with a 30 year old yeah and um talking to him who i met on call of duty yeah 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 so the only difference is you're 31 and i'm 60 yeah <laughs> but- i mean who i mean so so it, but we had a great conversation right. uh about it and uh, we're going to go to break but don't discount things that satan uses for bad Mm -hmm. that you can go into a world where people are that need to hear the gospel. They need to hear hope. And those people, God has people out there that have not yet bowed their knee to him. And he brings guys like you, Alex, and me Mm -hmm. in there. And we just get to have fun doing it, don't we? Amen. Yeah. So, hey, you're listening to Alex Ellis. And I know this is not about Call of Duty, but it's about uh, discipleship. And yes, you can use it out in any means. God has lots of avenues of doing that. Problem is we're not doing enough. And so we're going to come back and finish up with Alex. And if you want to support him, go to navigators.org, click on donate, write in Alex Ellis. You can support him and his wife, Shauna. We'll be right back with more from SWAT radio.
0: This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week.
1: Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Sorry, Alex and I, we were just sitting here talking about discipleship and video games. And who who would guess? You know, like, that's just crazy. And listen, that's not to say that video games can't be addictive. They can just like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, They—that You know, they can. But that is the world that a lot of young men live in today, isn't it, Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was with an engineering guy. I was discipling. And he's with all these uh, Arabic students. And by the time I started doing this, we did Call of Duty tournaments during uh, COVID and stuff like that. And I I try and say, don't be the cool Christian. Just go hang out with people. You know, like, I'm not going to do a cool Christian event more cool than what the the world supposedly launches. And so it's incredible. We were playing Call of Duty, hanging out with these Muslim students, and I started getting to read the Bible with them because most Muslims— are open to reading the bible because they hold it as a part of their scriptures yeah so it's incredible to get to have a lot of conversations with them intentionality is just transformational
1: yeah it, it is well i'm so glad to hear you talk about second timothy 2 2 and so as you're ministering to these students uh and getting a chance to spend time with them your wife's doing that with young ladies right
2: yeah she's incredible
1: at it mm-hmm so that's really great that you guys have that kind of ministry. Um, when when a student gets to the point where you feel like they're able to reproduce, they, mm-hmm. they're, they, they've they they matured. Like let's say they're there, they're in their junior year, mm-hmm. and you you're still have a connection. Like do you all have regular any kind of meetings they come to, or is it just the one-on-ones and the little small group thing?
2: Yeah, so we have our large group meeting, which is always Thursday nights at 7. It's on campus because – that's where the students are and so we do it on campus and it's like your traditional like larger meeting we have worship and a message and stuff like that and then they go out and gallivant for the next few hours together because they're college students and i don't stay up till 1 a.m yeah not anymore i used to uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you got two kids judah and uh, hudson keeping you up and you're like oh i gotta go to sleep because i'm gonna be tired well i didn't
2: sleep tonight last night with them, but <laughs> one has a what is, ear infection right now so
1: oh that's fun that's you, almost as fun as colic isn't yeah
2: oh well, man it was a blast. Um <laughs> But, so they have that, and then we have our weekly Bible studies, and so that is, I I, I try and tell the students that the staff aren't the ones running the ministry. These, we have about uh, 30 to 40, it fluctuates, St- uh, servant leaders is what I call them. There are students who are buying in and saying, yes, this is probably the junior you're trying to give an example of, they've, you know, been in the ministry, they've, Committed, and they said yes to lots of things, and they're the ones I'm trying to get to disciple students. And the goal is that, like that four generations out of Second Timothy two two, mm-hmm. not just Paul to Timothy. That's too short sighted. It's Paul to Timothy, to faithful men
1: who will train others.
2: Who will train others? That's so there's right. four generations. And I really, I really want to hit on that because sometimes we just get in this counseling mode where I'm just trying to help Doug out, and I really want Doug to be doing great. But if I don't have a vision, to how can Doug pass on something past him? Then it usually falls short, and so usually their sophomore year we're trying to train them to say go after someone because even as a freshman most of them you're like oh, i can't disciple anyone well you're a believer who knows jesus so you know more than most of the students do about jesus you can train a non-believer and then you know you read the bible oh you should show them how to do that and it's i never do any super complicated things um especially in discipleship because i want it to be pass like the principle is that idea of like the baton in the race the most mistakes that happen that cost the race is dropping the baton, mm-hmm. and I really want an easy baton to pass. And so most of my tools aren't ultra complicated. Like we do the ABC quiet time, you know, oh, it's like there you go, or uh, some people call it a
1: stab or all these other things. But I call it five, one, one, one minute of prayer, five minutes of reading, one minute of meditation. You know, I mean, just simple start. Mm-hmm. What I've found over the years is if people will start. Mm-hmm. with w- like the one five one i five one one then it'll grow more because the more you get into it the more mm-hmm. you go oh my gosh look at this this is applicable to my life yeah and they yeah. start to see it and they want to grow and uh and then when they start fulfilling their life purpose mm-hmm. which is what to reproduce right right i mean but you know i found this and i can't remember if this was from dawson trotman or not but in the physical world you and your wife loved each other Mm -hmm. and out of that love spawned judah and hudson Mm -hmm. well in the spiritual world if we love christ Mm -hmm. out of that is going to spawn children yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that that will come from that relationship because of our love for him and his use of us, mm-hmm. there will be children who will have other children, and it just perpetuates till he comes back. And so I, you know, the the most staggering statistic to me, and I've quoted it a lot, is uh, years ago a, 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 a survey was done about fourteen thousand churches,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and ninety five percent of the people that sat in those, these were evangelical churches, mm-hmm. had never shared the gospel with anybody.
2: Yeah, it's incredible, right? Yeah. Like, that would be astonishing if I was a company and I said 95% of my employees have produced nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, think about it.
2: Yeah, no, I, that's why I'm genu- – that's why Dawson's vision is not new, right? It's the Great Commission. He says go make disciples, right? He's saying you should be producing. And then I, lo- I love John 15, and we like to say it's the fruit of the spirits. I actually think that's a poor reading of that scripture. When he says you'll bear fruit, disciples, Christians, should bear more
1: Christians, more disciples, more yeah. disciples. That's
2: actually the interpretation he's saying. That's yeah. what Jesus is trying to say. Well, yeah. When
1: he says, by this is my father glorified mm-hmm. that what you, what you go out and you produce fruit where well, the fruit is more disciples.
2: Yeah. And so I, I like the fruit of the spirit. Of against them, but I just think it's, it's interesting so much. And I think, uh, Doss said it. It's like, uh, one of his things, like his life thing that got him to born to reproduce was emotions lead to actions. Mm hmm. And then he said, well, that's not complete because I can do a lot, but actions lead to production at Mm -hmm. some level. And I just think how much church things, sometimes we get in our holy huddle or church busyness and, you know, I can even do it. You know, we got to like, oh, we got this event, we got the Easter egg hunt and then we got this thing and we got to stack the chairs this weekend. And it's like, but how much of that is leading to someone come to know Christ?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I wondered if we just shut everything down and said, I want you to go reach one person. Yeah. Would, Would God be faithful?
1: One person, I shared this last week at SWAT, and it's the same model. I think Dawson Trotman emphasized this, uh, multiplication over addition. Mm -hmm. One person in the next year. If everybody who heard this broadcast today, in fact, not even everybody, let's say one person out there hears the broadcast. Let's say you're uh, Alex's age. You're 31 years old. You're listening. You just flipped on the channel. And you heard it, and you win one person to Christ in 2022, and and you disciple that person after sharing the gospel. It took two years with Alex mm-hmm. when he was in high school to, to hear the gospel and step into the family actively. God already had his name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, mm-hmm. but it took two years to manifest then he was walked through that process but let's say you're able to do that in a year with somebody and then the next year both of you picked one person and did that and then the next year the four of you picked one person Mm -hmm. a year And by the time you were 61, you would have reached over 1.2 billion disciples. Mm -hmm. That's insane when you stop and think about it, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think that was Acts 17, 28, where it says, uh, these men have come who are turning the world upside down. (laughs) They're in our gates! Like this This crazy that God would be faithful. I think it's it's Ian Bounds says, uh, Mm -hmm. the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. Yes. Just faithfulness, you know?
1: Yeah. Did you... um, I saw that uh, your wife, I think, does a Bible study, or maybe you, when you start, you talk about reading the Gospel of John with people. Do you take them through that, or do you just encourage them to do that on their own?
2: So actually, it's one of our big challenges we do in the spring. uh, We ask everyone to ask someone to read the Book of John with them. Okay. So every student in the ministry, we do this big challenge to say, we want you to ask one person, because you said... Not what, 95% of people have never shared the gospel with someone. Mm-hmm. That was staggering to me. I, I was thinking about this one time. You probably
1: heard that same stat. I mean.
2: Yeah, I was uh, well, I was having a quiet time, and I like football. And a, a few years ago, the Oakland Raiders were like 30 sacks behind the other worst team in the league <laughs> in sacks. And I was sitting thinking about, like, how are we reaching the lost? Mm-hmm. I feel like the Oakland Raiders are reaching the lost. We need to change our culture. Yeah. We can do lots of action. Again, lots of action, but no productivity. So mm-hmm. I said, we're going to start. We're going to do very applicable, all right, this is what you need to do this week. I want you to ask intentional questions to one person in your life. And we give them a list of questions, and we process it. But you know what's incredible is so many cool stories come out of just somebody saying, hey, would you read the book of John with me? Mm -hmm. Now, we give them questions. It's like, what stuck out to you? What what did you learn about Jesus out of this? Mm -hmm. But most of the time I say, don't go over 10 minutes. Leave them wanting more. Because, you know, some Christians get into these... uh, they want to get on their soapbox and preach their sermon out of whatever John one or something. Mm-hmm. But as a as a non believer, all I needed was somebody to show a little bit of interest and mm. open the scriptures with me, because yeah. Jesus is powerful.
1: Well, I what well, the reason I asked that because um, uh, back in the nineties, I had a chance to meet Jim Peterson of the Navigators. Yes. Um, and uh, Jim Peterson wrote a book on discipleship, and in that book, he talks about when he was down in South America, and one of the things he did was he would take people through, he would meet them and say, hey, would you go through the book of John with me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's a great book. And in the back of his book, he had questions about it. I didn't know if you guys used that at all or if y'all were trained in that, but that was, it it just struck me. Jim has a great ministry. And is he still with Navigators? Do you know? I'm pretty sure. Because he was. I I, met him out
2: at headquarters. Yeah, at one
1: time he was like the international vice president uh, of it. And uh, just a great guy who's been very faithful, you know, when you find men like Dawson Trotman, Jim Peterson, and those kind of men who've been faithful, it's worth taking a look at the things God has put on their heart because Mm -hmm. he's given them tools that have been passed on, that have been tried and true. Not that you have to emulate them, Mm -hmm. only emulate them as they imitate Christ, you know, because we're all flawed people, but I just love that way of going through the gospel with somebody yeah. and getting them to read the gospel of john and and answering well you know we're coming up on our uh the end of our program alex and i just wanted to ask you uh what are some of the big needs for you and shauna and the ministry there that we can pray for we got about one minute so just real quick
2: oh real quick yeah so big prayer i would say is for the lost i mean we are really Praying that our leaders would go after the lost. It's so easy for our about hundred students to just shrink back. Especially if they want to get in culture wars and all these things. Make Jesus the focus, and then I would just pray for laborers. I think that Isaiah sixty twenty two, the least should become a thousand, the smallest the mighty nation. I'm in time. I'll hasten it.
1: Well, I want to get you back because I want to talk more about what that would look like for people in our community to come alongside you and and be resources yeah. all right, and maybe talk to you uh, if we can do that. Hey, you've been listening to Alex Ellis. Again, go to navigators.org, dot org. Click on donate, write in Alex, A-L-E-X, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, and help support that ministry. Pray for him. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more SWAT radio. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good evening.